Okay, so session number six, demolishing strongholds, and this is on page 49. And I'm, I'm starting tonight's talk with a bit of an illustration. Uh, I don't know if anyone's got a fear of balloons. I've almost got a fear of balloons. I think it could be a bit of a... Anyway, uh, here we go. Uh, sometimes a little thought <coughs> is planted in our mind. When something happens to us, uh, maybe we're bullied, maybe someone says something negative to us, like you're useless, you're ugly, you're a waste of space. I'm not going to blow up more than that, but don't mind. Perhaps we've believed it for so long that it's become part of our lives, and we can't imagine getting over it. Well, the Bible says in Hebrews 4, the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates, and even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So that's what we're going to look at, be looking at today, the power of the word of God to penetrate thoughts and attitudes. We need uh, the word of God to come to us and judge our thoughts and attitudes and pop those that aren't true. Now, the Christian faith is full of such wonderful truths that God loves you, God cares for you, he's got a purpose and a plan for your life, and it's a good one, and it's one to prosper you, that you are his child, and that it is possible in Christ to become everything that God has created you to be. They're the wonderful truths, and the many more of being a Christian. But at times, there are Christians who don't experience the full freedom that those truths should inspire. They believe, I guess, the truths at one level, they assent to them, but they seem unable to make real connections with it that are strong enough to build and base their lives upon. But uh, the whole theme of this course is, um, as you find in Galatians 5, the truth that... It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So that's the truth we need to remind ourselves right up front. If you're not connecting with truth, like God loves me, cares for me, has a purpose for me, etc., it could be, maybe probably be, that you have a mental stronghold to uh, consider. Now here we're looking at page 50. What is a stronghold? Well, strongholds, as I mentioned at the beginning, are connected to the flesh. Our three animal enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's really the flesh where these mental strongholds uh, kind of originate. After you were born, what happened is you learned to live independently of God. And your thinking was a, a shaped by that process. But of course, one day, we became a new creation in Christ. But as we mentioned last week, nobody pressed the all clear button. No one pressed the reset button on our mind, on our thinking, because, of course, we don't have one. So we all still had, if you like, wrong programming. And we had a tendency still to act on that wrong thinking and those lies. And it's those beliefs, it's those things we've come to assume are true that aren't, that, if you like, are mental strongholds. A couple of definitions, you'll find them in your booklet there. Ed Silvozo from Argentina defines strongholds as a mindset impregnated with hopelessness. 
that causes us to accept as unchangeable situations that we know are contrary to the will of God. Another definition by Neil Anderson, upon whose material this course has really largely been based, he says that strongholds are mental habit patterns of thoughts that are not consistent with God's word. So hopefully those definitions between them will help you understand what a stronghold is. Sometimes strongholds show themselves in the things we feel we should do but don't seem to be able to, or things we shouldn't do but don't feel able to stop. The truth, however, is that God never asks us to do anything that we cannot do. He doesn't ask us to jump over any bar that is too high for us. That would be, if you like, against his character. His character is a character of love. He wouldn't do that to us. So therefore, if that's sometimes how it feels, oh, it's impossible, I can't do it, then there's probably a stronghold getting in the way. And if we don't tear it down, we'll probably end up concluding, well, that's just the way I am. I can't change. If I have anger outbursts, well, that's just me. If I don't relate very well to other people, well, that's me. I'm just shy. I can't change. And that's, that'll be the thinking that embeds itself in us. So we find that sense of inferiority, insecurity, inadequacy and fear, those kind of four emotions often reveal the strongholds that are in our minds. Right, I've got a handout for you here. Um, a little bit different for today. I've had a balloon. I've got a handout. What's going on? Is this all right? Um, hopefully the, the font size and the speech bubbles are... Um, uh, big enough for you to read. They'll come round in a minute. So here we are, school reunion, and you can look through this. So some lady saying, oh, you, you're always the pretty one in class, Jane. You thought I was pretty? You always ignored me. We weren't ignoring you, we were just too intimidated to speak to you. I spent 50 years struggling with low self-esteem because I thought you were ignoring me. Aha, isn't that silly? Which might give her another conflict, but anyway. Um, my, <laughs> entire, my, my entire personality has been formed around the wrong information. There you go, a little bit twee, a little bit kind of forced, but it kind of gives you the impression or the example, really, of how these mindsets, and you're reading it in the dark, which is very clever, um, with the mood lighting, um, how they can kind of get established in our minds. So, moving on, page 51, how do strongholds get established? in our minds. Well, firstly, our environment can be one of the factors. The fallen world we live in is hostile to God, and we live in it every day. We lived in it before we were in Christ, and we've been conditioned to conform to it in many ways. When you came into the world, you were physically alive, but spiritually dead. You had very little programmed in your mental computer, in your head. You simply picked up and absorbed ways of thinking from those around you, the environment in which you live. So it could have been your family, community, your culture and society that you were within, the school environment, your friendship circles. All of these had an influence on the way you 
thought. So it's just, it works a bit like this. I speak English because I, oh, I had English parents. Still have English parents who taught me English. That was the environment I lived in and naturally I picked it up. If I was born to French uh, parents, then no doubt I would have picked up French. And it's the same way in terms of thinking and our thought patterns. We pick them up often from those around us. You may have been told you were useless or ugly uh, or that you would never amount to much in life. And if you believe those things, you could have developed an inferiority complex. Our behaviour also sometimes reveals the strongholds that are influencing us. Here's, a, here's an example. Say there were three boys that grew up in the same home. They were brothers. And their father was an alcoholic during their growing up years and at times became violent. But each boy, you can imagine, developed a different way of coping with that environment. One of them felt he could stand up to his dad. And he ended up saying, you know, consistently, lay a hand on me, dad, and, you know, you'll regret it. And that's how he dealt with it. The middle one accommodated his dad. Oh, dad, what can I do for you? How can I help? What can I do? Oh, yes, dad. And the third one just ran away. That's how they coped. They, they were just different people, coping with the same environment. And you can imagine, 20 years later, for example, coming up against a completely different, but no less uh, hostile situation, whatever it might have been. You can imagine, can't you? The eldest one would have fought back. The middle one would have tried to placate and accommodate, and the third one would have run away and hidden. Yeah, those because you can see how the, the thinking has become established from their younger experiences. Now, just to note really that we can develop, if you like, strongholds even once we're a Christian. That can still happen. We can still learn thought patterns that aren't based on truth even once we're saved. It can happen and we need to be mindful of it. Um, another way in which strongholds can be established are through traumatic experiences. And I guess the reason why we take on board such a, a a firm pattern of thinking is because in a trauma everything's just so intense and so therefore that intensity brings the, 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 the definition to that way of thinking. It could be a death in the home, it could have been some abuse situation, it could have been a divorce or breakup relationally, all these things can have big traumatic experiences for us and either create or reinforce strongholds in our minds. Now in a later session um, we're going to look at how to be released from those past experiences, so don't be concerned that there's no hope there at all. But for the moment, just simply note this, that it's not the traumatic experience itself that produces the stronghold, but it's the lies that we let in and begin to believe as a result of those experiences. Okay? For example, if somebody was abused, they may think of themselves quite naturally as a victim later in life, helpless at the whim of others around them, never really in control of their life or able to stand up for themselves. Um, they may have been told the truth many times, but um, it's not uh, true for them anymore. A, a stronghold is a lie based on past experiences, but thankfully they can be torn down in Christ. You can go back to those same events in your life and reprocess them from the position of who you now are in Christ. You are a child of God. And the truth is that no matter how bad any past experience was for you, you don't have to remain that victim anymore. Because you are a brand new creation 
in Christ. God doesn't change your past, but he sets you free from it. Okay, that's important to know. The problem with strongholds is that if you believe, uh, if what you believe doesn't reflect the truth, then what you feel doesn't reflect reality. So you may feel rejection when you're not being rejected, you see. You may feel helpless to change when you're actually not helpless to change. The third um, way in which strongholds can be established is through temptation. Strongholds can be formed or reinforced when we repeatedly give in to temptation. So Satan is, a, is the tempter, that's one of his names, and he wants to set up strongholds in your life. So you keep on going round in circles. That's his objective. He would like that very much. He wants you to feel hopeless and helpless. Every temptation at, at base level is an attempt to get you to live independently from God. And the basis for temptation is often on those three core legitimate needs that we have. We talked about them throughout the weeks. Significance, security and acceptance. So the question is, are those needs, are you going to uh, uh, satisfy those needs by responding to the world, to the flesh, to the devil, or are you going to meet them in God? He promises, to quote Philippians 4, to meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Christ provides for all of our needs. We don't need to look or be tempted to find these things in the world, the flesh or the devil. Philippians 4.19. Satan, what he does is he observes your behaviour. He watches and sees how you react over the years and he knows your points of vulnerability. And that's where he will attack. Your temptations will be unique to you based on your areas of vulnerability. We'll all have different sets of those. But the truth is, again, we don't have to give in to temptation. A quote here from 1 Corinthians 10, I'm not sure if it's one listed, uh, have a look see it is. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Yeah? He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can, can bear. Not only that, it also says here, but when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Mm. Right, God always has a way of escape. So I've got another little one. Um, it's only two pages. No, that's not one. Oops, okay. I set it down both ways. So have a little read on your own here. I won't read it out this time. Flips um, over. <coughs> on to the other side. Can you see the other side? scenario the question really is looking at this is where 
is the way of escape. Because we can hear the truth that there is a way of escape God has provided. But then in life we think, where is it? How do I escape this temptation? Where is the exit? Uh, anyone hazard a guess? Oh, I'm brave enough to have a guess. the exit? Where is it? Is it? It's a bit... Sorry? In the beginning, very good. Yeah, it was a bit of a trick question. It's actually probably before the beginning, before that first one, but right there, right at the beginning. Um, the, the course calls um, the approach to this threshold thinking. If you imagine threshold, the first bit of a house or doorway you go into. So that first place, threshold thinking. God has provided it. The exit route is right there at the very beginning. The first time a tempting thought comes to mind. That's your opportunity. As 2 Corinthians uh, encourages, to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Right at the beginning. So again, another kind of graphic, if you like, uh, example. Suppose somebody was struggling with pornography. Maybe somebody in this room. And you needed milk for your breakfast tomorrow morning. You had no milk back at home. And after tonight, you needed to go and get some. Now you have two choices of where to go and get it. You can get it up from Sainsbury's local, or you can get it from the petrol station around the corner. But you knew that, um, as well as selling milk, the petrol station sells pornography, and it would catch your eye. So what do you do? Um, where do you go? Your chance to make the right choice comes when you first think about it. As soon as you decide to go towards the petrol station, go past Sainsbury's local and beyond... You can rationalise it as much as you want. Oh, it's more convenient. Oh, it's slightly cheaper, the milk that is. But in fact, admit it to yourself or not, you know what you're being drawn by. And your chances of turning back, they haven't disappeared, but they are diminishing. And it's becoming harder and harder to turn back. The tempter's working on your mind before you even get there. And when you get share, and when you look, you feel guilty, you feel stupid, you feel what I do that for. That's how it works. Your mind, to give you an illustration, is like an airport. And you are the air traffic controller. And lots of thoughts are asking for permission to land. But you have complete control over which of these thoughts lands in your mind and which are get turned away. And you have to decide right at the outset. The moment you give any tempting thought permission to land, the chances of you getting it off the runway and out, again, reduce quite significantly. That's what taking every thought captive is all about. It does require effort. It does require constant commitment to truth. Tempting thoughts not dealt with straight, straight away are more likely to lead to action. Repeated actions are going to become habitual habits uh, and behaviours. And af after time, those habits become strongholds, ways of thinking ingrained that are very difficult, more difficult perhaps, to feel like you can escape from. What are the effects of strongholds? Page 52, a few effects. Firstly, it gives you a faulty view of reality. They have a, an, a, an effect where you're unable to look at the world as it really is, as God describes it. We must ask ourselves then, am I going to trust God and look at things the way he sees it, whether or not it feels true? And that's the question we have to come to. Because, of course, God knows so much more than we do. In Isaiah 55.9, it says that as the heavens are higher than the earth says God, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The fact is that we have uh, a limited ability to work things out. 
we are incapable, really, of determining what is best for us. So we are, therefore, dependent on God, who has higher thoughts than ours, far above ours, as to what's best for us. Proverbs 3, 5-6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. As soon as we're tempted to lean on our own understanding, oh, I know the best way for me, I, I know what's best, I'll make the decision, then uh, you know, we're managing outside of God and we're vulnerable. Strongholds prevent us seeing what is really true because of how they make us feel. So many Christians would say, well, I know God loves me, because I know the Bible says, broadly speaking, God loves me, but do they believe it? Or have they experienced that? Many of us, I don't think, really appreciate just how special we are to God. There's an example of somebody uh, on one of these courses, William Christ courses, who uh, read one of the cards that we got at the back there, and uh, then afterwards just was overwhelmed with tears and emotion. And she just said repeatedly over and over again with great joy, I am not inferior, I am not inferior. And the backstory of course, it was something that, um, of course, was very relevant. Her brother had always been the clever one. She'd always grown up with a profound sense of being inferior to her sibling. Many people had told her she, she wasn't inferior, in fact, but it didn't seem to affect how she felt or how she behaved. But it was reading the word of God just through a simple card like that, exposing herself and her mind to the truth, that her eyes were opened, she saw herself for how God saw her, and the stronghold was torn down. And it's truth that tears down strongholds. Now, providing she continues to reject the lie that she is inferior, her feelings would eventually, over time, change, and her perception of herself would increasingly be based on the truth that she is indeed a child of God. It's the same dynamic for all of us. Um, another effect is, uh, is around bad choices. Every day we have all sorts of choices to make, and in essence, a lot of them are down to doing the things God's way or leaning on our own understanding. And strongholds are trying to encourage us to make the bad choice because it's based on bad information. They make us ignore God's warning signs. They make us think that we know best. But we will make consistently better choices when we choose to commit ourselves to know God and his ways. He really does only want the best for us, and he knows what that best is. We're not helpless, is the message. We're not helpless in our struggle. We have a choice, and in Christ, an ability every single day to renew our minds by choosing God's way instead of leaning on our own understanding. You determine the battle for the mind. Just to finish this session before we uh, have a little break, opportunity to chat and discuss and share our thoughts. Um, there's a little section at the end here called Demolishing Strongholds, page 53. And whilst in another session, session 10 I think it is, so in a few weeks' time, we're going to look at stronghold busting. How do we dismantle these things? For the moment, this is the main thing to, to understand. We do not have to put up with strongholds. Um, a verse here, again, we've already looked at this, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5, just to give a bit of a broader context, it says this. For though we live in the world, 
We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Amen. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive. That's where this phrase comes from. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Now, what, what does a computer do when you first switch it on? It sweeps for viruses, doesn't it? Or, or if you set it up properly, hopefully it will. It's similar for us. We need to uncover and deal with any strongholds that the enemy may have in our lives. And part of the steps to freedom in Christ, which is the ministry we're going to look at on Sunday the 8th of June. Hopefully you've got it in your diary. I know Louise can't make it. If anyone else can't make it, let me know. We'll try and reschedule it. But part of that exercise will be doing that very thing. Looking for any ways in which the enemy has got a foothold in our life. And once we've done that, you see, a stronghold is nothing more than just a habitual way of thinking and behaving. And if you've believed a lie, all you need to do is renounce the lie and choose to believe the truth instead. That's what we do. It's a simple process. Think of it a bit like this. Say it rains a lot. Thankfully it hasn't rained for a while, but say it rains a lot. And you have a Land Rover and a field. And you drive yourself around this wet, soggy field, the same circuit, again and again and again in the mud. You would find that after a while it creates some ruts around the edge of this field. And after a while, after a number of days perhaps, the ruts will be so deep you won't need to steer the Land Rover anymore. It will just automatically go the way the ruts lead it. In fact, any attempt you make to kind of grab hold of the steering wheel and pull it away from the ruts will be met with resistance. But you can steer out of the ruts of habitual, faulty thinking. By making, it will take sustained effort, it will come against some resistance, but and over a period of time, but you can get there. So if you've learned something wrong, you can relearn it. If you um, have programmed wrong in your mind, you can be reprogrammed. But three conditions, you need to want to, you need to choose to, and you need to believe that it's possible, which I guess is the essence of this session here, this, this little section. It's possible to renew your mind. It is possible to renew your mind. And by doing so, be transformed. We also need to guard our mind in taking it captive, making it obedient. We need to continually ensure that our mind and our thoughts are in line with the truth. And that's where, again, as we mentioned before, we're practicing threshold thinking, throwing out any lies, throwing out any temptations that are not aligned to God's ways. As I said, uh, in session 10, a bit later in a few weeks, we'll look at stronghold busting, uh, which is basically a structured way of dismantling strongholds. It sounds complicated, but it's not. It does take a bit of time, and they, are, they do encourage you to take a six-week kind of view on it, because it takes kind of that period of time for the mind to get into new ruts, right ruts, if you like. It does involve, you know, a bit of discipline as well each day, but in, a, in effect, all you're doing is you're renouncing the lie that you have been believing, once you've identified what it is, and you're choosing to believe the truth. They're the two things that you do. It's, it's straightforward, actually. 
And through that process, many people can testify that they found it quite revolutionary, very revolutionary to their life. So we've looked at the world. In other words, the system that we've been brought up with, the culture and its influences last week. We looked at the flesh over these two weeks, the learned habits and the patterns of thought that have become ingrained. And in the next session, we're going to look at the devil, the third of our enemies, if you like. Um, but what we'll probably do is, is uh, break straight away for our small groups. Um, it would be interesting to just discuss perhaps what you've understood about the flesh and what you've understood about strongholds. Of, is there any questions, any kind of reflections? Is, uh, is it clear, etc.? Um, and then we'll have time for some more coffee and the like, and then we'll come back together maybe around um, kind of nine o'clock, I think. We'll, we'll, so we'll have a good time for discussion, I think, uh, and chat. But if it all dries up, then fine, we'll come back. All right. Okay. Very good. Guys here and girls here, isn't it? That's right. Well done.